is the host present. Hello, how are you? I'm live on the air. We're live on the air. All right, Ethan, welcome. Welcome to Positive Spins. I love to be on Positive Spins. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Positive Spins, man. It's a, uh, it's a good time. I love it. I love the concept. I love the title. I love everything about it. Great, man. Happy to have you here. We got a couple other guest hosts joining us today. We're just going to wait till they, uh, till they join up. I think one of them, might, it might take a while for them to figure this out. Yeah, it might. Uh, you know, this is a, a podcast for, um, you know, people who are uh, above 45 uh, years of age, basically, and who don't really know how to work an app. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Ethan, while we're here, man. Yeah. What's, no, that's uh, what's fine. I got, I got all night. Me, me too. Uh, what's been happening with you? Oh, shit. I mean, everything's happening, right? So the, the, the leaves are turning. The seasons are changing. Uh, I love being in New England. I love watching the seasons change. Lots of rain happening. Everyone's complaining. But I love the rain. It means no forest fires. It means that acres and acres aren't going to just set ablaze like we're on Mars. Um, I'm looking forward to um, – I'm doing Sober October. That's new. Oh, sounds really? like someone just joined us. Just- yeah, I'm doing Sober October. Johnny oh Butt. Johnny Butt. Listen, oh. there, was, there was no better karmic timing than sober October conversation for John <laughs> Butt to come in and, and uh, basically drop a bomb on that, uh, on that wagon. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, Butt, how are you, sir? Good. What's going on? How you doing, man? <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. Jo- I'm in Johnny Butt mode. Nice. All right. In retirement mode. Well, listen, uh, you know, I know that you're not retired from having an opinion or a story to share. So uh, well, welcome. Welcome to Positive Spins. First time for uh, John Butt. That's right. Love it. I hope the um, three listeners that we have at this point uh, like will come back after after this. That... <laughs> I can confirm one. One of them is going to be back. I'm, All right. I'm cool. Coming back. Yeah. Well, look, John, what, was have, in, what, what beverage is in that picture that you showed earlier? Was a, that Guinness? It's a, very cheap, it's a very cheap red wine, which I have. That new, was wine, dude? New, new that was wine? Well. <laughs> uh, listen, I don't know what's going on with that. Was that, was that like, did you, did, did you break every glass in the house and you had to use a bucket? Uh, what <laughs> <Yeah. were> you, <laughs> that was not a glass of wine. That was <laughs> a. Yeah, we're down, to, uh, we're down to, we're down to ball mason jazz. Uh, a mason jar of cheap wine. Well, all right. Balling with ball. <laughs> so, some people know how to get prepared. Um, hey, listen, our, our final co-host, our fourth co-host uh, just showed up. Derek, welcome to Positive Spins. What's up, gentlemen? Hello, Derek. Mr. Wright. What's going on? All right. How are man. you? Doing great. Good to be with y'all. Good to be... At- I think that is the sentiment, man. Good to be with y'all. Y'all here uh, as co-hosts and y'all here that may eventually listen to this or not. This is Positive Spins, where passionate music fans talk about personal stories, about the music they love to love, and they do it with positive energy. Now, look, this Positive Spins, this is our, basically our, our, our second official episode. And, uh, you know, here on, uh, on the podcast, this is all about a music fan's perspective and, you know, talking about stories that you associate with the songs that are important to you, uh, meaningful moments that you've had, uh, you know, with particular artists or what, whatever it may be. And, uh, but from time to time, we're going to pick a theme and we're going to use that theme for us to all present different songs and to talk about that song in and of itself or, and, or why it means something to you. Okay. Cool. And, uh, so I, I prepared you all ahead of time. Today's topic is, it's a relatively simple subject. It's not meaty or at, at all. And it's something we can probably just, probably just come to a conclusion on and just wrap up within 60 minutes. It's time. <laughs> um, it's uh, time. And time, time. Is, time is a big subject, okay? And there have been lots of songs written about time, right? Killing time, making time, time to get going, whatever it may be. And I thought time was a really interesting topic 
um, because we can go so many different places with this. And, and I, thought, I thought it gave you guys lots of options when it comes to different songs that you may want to talk about that are important to you. All right, cool. So um, I'm going to kick it off. Cool. You guys ready to rip? Let's yeah. go. All kick right, away. So look, uh, before, I, before I rip into the first song, here's a, here's a funny one. Speaking of time, uh, this may be the last time, okay? Uh, Rolling Stone song. A S Stone song, and people have been wondering when the Stones tour, if it will be the last time. And they've been asked about this for decades. For the last 40 years, they've been asked about this. Uh, I just went to the Rolling Stones in Minneapolis on Sunday night, and I'm here to report to you that this should not be the last time because that was one killer fucking show. These right. old bastards, 78, 77, 75, with you know, barely a tread left on their tire after a, a years of, of hard living and, and pushing things to the extreme, these guys did two hours of high energy killer music. Are they just using a, a session drummer or are they, who's no, drumming? No, they got Steve Jordan, right? And Steve Jordan is Keith's um, drummer in the expensive wino and his other writing partner oh, outside wow. of Mick Jagger. Yeah, yeah. So and, and Steve Jordan, wino's. that's right, baby. <laughs> and and you, you are the expensive wino. You're the inexpensive wino tonight. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> Steve, Steve Jordan, man, he's played with everybody, uh, you know, um, and, and uh, played with Miles Davis. He played with Neil Young. He, he played with pretty much everyone. He is fantastic. And I'll, I'll say this, no disrespect to Charlie Watts, the man behind the kit, you know, rest in peace. But Steve is adding a different level of energy to this tour. Like, you can the drums have a prominent part in the music. You can hear Steve is known for just you know pounding away on that really tightly pulled snare, and um, you, he he you can hear him echo throughout the stadium. And also he's driving the band. Like there's a different level of energy here, and I think he's really reinvigorated Keith because Keith is playing his fucking face off. Like he was just absolutely awesome. So, wow. you know, when it comes to the time and uh, the Stones might be doing it for the last time, who knows? There's like six shows left on the tour. I am going to the last two. I'm going to Austin, I'm flying down by myself, going to spend a couple nights there and go see the show. I've got a pit ticket on Keith's side. And then um, they just announced a club gig in a 7,000-seat club, the Hard Rock Casino in um, Hollywood, Florida. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, I got two tickets to that, so I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah, man. It's never going to be the last time for these guys. So in the spirit of time, I'm going to kick off with uh, the first song, okay? And I want you guys to jump in and ask questions as we go. So, you know, Ethan, you and I have talked a little bit about this. Derek, you and I have talked about this. But um, there's, a, there's a song by Booker T and the MGs called Time is Tight, okay? And I think it came out in, you know, mid-60s. And uh, obviously, it's an instrumental. Um, but it is absolutely one of my top 10 favorite songs of all time. And uh, I love it because the music itself, man, it's just classic Booker T and the MGs. Um, one of the cool things about it is I feel like the song kind of, when they wrote it, it, they wrote it and played it to represent time. And I think it's like a day's worth of time. Because if you listen to this song, in the beginning, it's just Booker T on the Hammond B. And he starts to play a few church chords to kick it off. And it's really slow, right? Not, not slow like boring, slow like a build. And it slowly mm. kind of just like sets a mood. And he plays a chord, and he plays a chord. And it feels like daybreak. It feels like the sun is coming up and the day is about to start. And then the whole song starts to pick up momentum as if the day is progressing. And, uh, and then before you know it, they're in full, you know, uh, Memphis uh, Southern Soul swing. And um, it's just a fantastic piece. And I love it. And it's, it's one of my favorite songs to start the day with, right? Um, or if I need to change my mood because of just that rising kind of action. And as Steve Cropper comes in with one of his, you know, sh shark dorsal fin cutting the water uh, <laughs> guitar solos that just sting. Uh, and it's so damn good. So I'll... Um, there's a, a companion playlist for positive spins and, and I'll make sure time is tight as part of it and all of your songs too. But I love time is tight for that, for, for the song itself. And like I said, I feel like it's telling, it's talking about time, you know, just through the music. 
I, I forget but, exactly how you put this a second ago, but you know, the way you describe this where the song kind of like rises with the day and sort of progresses and sort of uh, just like evolves with the speed of the day. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And, and check it out because I, 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 you, you might feel the same way, but it's almost kind of like that. You're waking up, you're getting going, you're feeling it, you know, it's coming together for you and all of a sudden you're in full swing. Right. So here's my quick story. Here's my story about time is tight. So I'm a, uh, just a massive Booker T and the MG fans and, and, and definitely all of stacks, but Booker T and the MG hold a special place in my heart. I've seen Booker T, um, a number of times. The first time I saw him, uh, the drive-by truckers were opening up for Booker T. Um, they worked with him on an album called Potato Hole. And this was like in 2006, I think. I was living in Sydney, Australia. And I went to this, you know, small podunk kind of uh, town outside of Sydney. And they were playing at like a, a bar, basically. <laughs> and uh, so I was right in the front. And the, the Booker T was fantastic. But those, those two together are just like so unique because of their different sounds but you know they're all from the south so anyway saw him there and then i seen booker t a number of times saw him in london a couple times seen him in chicago a couple times what's cool about booker t is like after every gig he makes a beeline to the front of the house where the merch is and um he stands there while there's people sell merch but he stands there on the way out and he presents himself and he's available to talk to every person that attended the show Oh, if you so want to cool. stop and talk to Booker T, he just waits right there, man. And he, and he lets you just kind of walk on down the line. And, you know, he's, he's glad handing and all that stuff. But, you know, he'll listen to your stories. He'll sign your stuff. And then, you know, you shake hands, you're on your way. And um, I've seen him, like I said, a bunch of times. The, the third time I saw him in Chicago, um, it was just after his autobiography came out. And um, I had seen him in Chicago three times. And, and he's like, have I seen you before? And I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, anyway, he wrote an autobiography and the autobiography is fantastic. And I really encourage you to read it. And more so, I encourage you to download it from audible.com or wherever you get an audiobook and listen to it because Booker T narrates the whole thing. And he actually does this really cool thing at the beginning of every chapter. He created a little like, um, he created a, like a little piece of music that opens up every chapter just for that chapter. It's, it's a very cool kind of like innovative thing he did, but it's great to hear. It's always great to hear the author tell their story. When you hear Booker T tells his, it's, it's very dynamic warts and all, cause he, he's very revealing. <laughs> Nonetheless, the book's called time is tight. Okay. There's time is tight is referenced in the um, prologue. And it's also referenced at a certain point in the um, story. And I'm going to talk about both those things. So time is tight is just part of what he thinks. It's part of his philosophy. Time is tight is the name of the song. But what he says is time is open, yet time is tight. And I think that's just a, such a heavy fucking statement because what he's really saying is, you know, as human beings, we don't know how long we're going to live for, right? By scientific standards, we have a finite amount of time that we as human beings will, will live, right? On average, et cetera. So, you know, time is open. We have time, right? We have time that we can use, time that we can spend. But time is tight because it's fleeting and don't waste it, right? It's like every day that you waste time, you're wasting an opportunity to make yourself better, live better, um, or, or, or just in, in, enjoy life or capture, capture the moment in life. So I love this idea of time is open, yet time is tight. And there's a certain point in the book without going to the history of Stax Records, Stax was owned by um, a brother and sister that started it, um, Jim Stewart. And his sister, her, her last name was Axton, uh, her, her married name. So Stewart and Axton, Stax Records. And um, they were really popular. They had you know, global success. And then Jim Stewart sold the business uh, to, brought in, a, brought in a business manager and then ultimately sold the business. But the business, business manager's name was Al Bell. And it was a significant switch because Jim Stewart was a white guy and his, and his wife, uh, sister was, was white. <laughs> and, you know, one of the hallmarks of Stacks, specifically Booker T and the MG, was the merging of white and black kids coming together to play music for the masses, right? Soul music, traditionally a black music, so to speak. But that was like a big part of their existence there. Two white people 
creating an environment for whites and blacks to come together to create this, you know, world-renowned music. Booker T were the examples of it. Al Bell came in and um, changed that a little bit. He, um, he, you know, it became, I don't say became more black, but there was a, but at the time that he came in, uh, you know, things were uh, a little bit more racially charged in America and the, the tone changed. And don't forget, um, Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis, you know, just a few blocks from where Stacks existed. So there was a, there was a lot going on in the world. Nonetheless, Al Bell came in and he wanted to take the, um, the label in kind of a different direction. And he wanted to still maintain the commercial aspect of it. So Booker T was not only famous in his own right, but he was also the guy that was like writing lots of songs for people, playing on everybody's albums, playing on everybody's tracks. Like he was the house music director in a way. So, but he was also creating you know, some solo albums. So at one point later in his Stax career, he was living in Memphis, he was from there. He wrote an album and he sang on it, you know, because Booker T and MG is instrumental music. He sang on it. And the tone of the album was a little bit more of the times. It had a political undertone to it about what was happening in America. And, um, you know, he, he, he wanted to share his opinion and he did it through music. And he said that he had the reel-to-reel tapes and in the middle of the night, he finished in the studio and he drove to Al Bell's house. And he said he walked in the back door and he played some of the music for Al Bell. It's like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And um, he, um, he said that Al Bell said to him, basically, I'm paraphrasing, Booker, this music's fantastic. I love this album. I think it would be great. It's Marvin Gaye-esque, you know, with a message. But... I don't think this is right for Stax Records right now. You know, we need to sell hits and I don't see this becoming a hit. I just don't see a place for it. Okay. I butchered that a little bit, but that's the gist. <laughs> and um, so Booker T, you know, tried to talk to him about it and he's like, no, that's it. And so Booker T said that when he realized Al Bell was not going to let him produce his album or he was against it, he said, thank you. He said he picked up his tapes. He walked out the back door and stood on the steps to Al Bell's house in the back and he said he said to himself out loud time is open yet time is tight and he said i knew that my time at stacks was over i knew that my time in memphis was over and the next day he packed up his things and he moved to california hmm. because he said i need to my time is tight i i need to do what i need to do right now and i, I need to own my destiny i need to own my time and i'm going to go and make it happen somewhere else. Time to move on. And I thought that, that really resonated with me. And I actually talked about that with him afterwards, uh, after his last gig here in Chicago, when he signed, he signed, he signed that page in the book for me. It was really cool. And, um, and then, you know, Booker T went to California. And I don't know if you know this, but he ended up becoming, uh, he, re- he did a couple solo albums, but he came, became a producer. He produced Willie Nelson's um, uh, Blue Skies album, which was a Willie Nelson doing time-tested standards before anybody even thought of doing this. And um, that it won a Grammy that year. He lived next door to Bob Dylan and used to go to Bob Dylan's house and help him write songs and play on his albums. And Bob used to like consult with him. Like he just decided, I need to control my desti- destiny. Time is tight. I'm off. And I love that. I love that because as someone as like a, a almost, I'll be turning 50 soon, like and I've shared with some of you, like my dad died seven years ago. He died at 67 years old. And when he did, obviously I felt bad, but I thought, geez, and I still think this today. You know, today I think to myself, if I'm 50, if I live as long as my dad, I only have 17 years left, right? What am I going to do with my time? And so that whole notion of time is open, yet time is tight, becomes even more poignant when you think about it like that. And I think that's what lies underneath sometimes lies underneath these songs that you love is is there's a message that resonates with you and can motivate you in different directions okay that's my time story love to hear your thoughts on that so first of all well said Uh, i i think that was uh it's hard to disagree with any of that great perspective i love the move of going up to the merch in the beginning um action bronson who's a rapper um, does the exact same thing. And I think it's the coolest thing. And, and uh, I, I wish more people did it. And in terms of wasting time, a wise man once said, we're burning daylight. 
<laughs> Burn, absolutely. Better said, we're burning daylight. It's totally it. But I, I encourage y'all to listen to that song and maybe listen to it in a different way. Cool. Any other thoughts on that? I Time thought it was cool how you listen to the song in the morning. Yeah. One of my go-tos. Like, but, you know, like to get to get, you know, to get ready for the day. It's pretty cool. Like a reminder. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I love doing that. Thank you. Um, okay, look, I'm going to open up the floor to you guys, but you know something? Before I do, um, I, I totally forgot to do this. I need to introduce you three. I totally need to introduce you three. I apologize. So look, there are three people on the call today. These three people are some of my favorite humans on the planet uh, for multiple reasons, uh, but they are also massive music fans and worthy of uh, spinning yarns on positive spin. So we have, uh, first up we have, um, should I do age before beauty? All right, okay, we'll do, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll do, for, first up, honestly, one of the most entertaining and fun people to be around that I've ever met. My very good friend, he's already laughing, Sergeant Major Johnny Butt. John yes. Butt. Johnny Butt. John Butt. Johnny Butt. <laughs> Thank you, Ethan. So Thanks John, for inviting me, Judd. <laughs> hey, man. You know, whenever, John, you and I have had so many musical experiences together. Uh, you know, and by the way, you guys can talk about whatever you want on here. So if, <laughs> some of those experiences are, you know, definitely not PG. But um, John, John Butt is uh, uh, a dead fan, a music fan. Um, he is a wannabe lyricist. Uh, and when you, this guy gets on a roll, um, you know, you, you, uh, he takes you along with him. And, and it's a pleasure. So and, a pleasure and I got to hear John. I got I to jump. I got to jump in one to, in two second story here. So well, introduce yourself. I, sorry, Derek here. Um, you know, John, Johnny, I'm, I remember sitting in your Jeep back you know a million years ago yeah sitting there listening listening to the grateful dead listening to uh could have been any one of a handful of songs or whatnot too but you know we're sitting here doing this tonight which is just fantastic and i remember sitting there and listening to you tell me about every chord every lyric every iota of that song because you knew it inside and out it's uh, you know talk about a memory there too but that sticks with me great to be with you nice that's awesome Derek. (laughs) cool hey while we're at it Derek Wright, everybody. Derek, another massive music fan. Derek and I hail from the same town. We went to high school together. We went to college together. And look at this. We're still here together, Derek. We're still here. We're still here. And Derek is also uh, also and equally a great Rolling Stones fan. We've been to many shows together. Um, we've hung out with Keith Richards' wife. Uh, we've, <laughs> <laughs> we've crashed cars on the way to Boston. And we've hailed taxis in uh, a sea of cars in Buffalo. And... <laughs> And we almost, well, pretty much me, you, and but we almost didn't make it um, out alive from Canada when we went to uh, see the Rolling Stones back in (laughs) 90-something. I don't even know. That's a story for another day, but that one was a legendary story. Derek is, uh, like I said, a fantastic music fan, fantastic friend. Thanks for being here. Now, last but not least, and uh, it just so happens he falls into the last position, which was uh, beauty. Um, It is... uh, (laughs) Uh, another New Hampshireite um, and a very good friend of mine and, and uh, one of the most influential people in my life early on, and that is my very good friend and pod ha- podcast host of his own, the No Outlet Podcast. Check it out on Spotify. Ethan Jewell. Thanks for being here, Ethan. Oh, hey, Judd. It's great to be here. <laughs> uh, I want to kind of echo something that that, uh, that Derek said about uh, every chord and everything. So, I had listened to, you know, I, I was lucky enough to, to be in prime John Butt territory in Plymouth. And I had listened to Grateful Dead a million times before, mostly passively. But when he got passionate about explaining <laughs> all of the different reasons why they were so great, it gave me a whole new set of uh, perspective. And it really made me appreciate the band for more than I had before. So I went from being a passive Grateful Dead fan to being like, holy shit, these guys are legitimately talented and special. And that's really because of John Butt. So thank you, John. Yeah, Ethan Jewell awesome. from the great town of Rye. Thank you, Ethan. That's right. Are you still you know, in Rye? Uh, pretty close. New market. Okay. Oh, like nice. right down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Ethan, I agree with you uh, and Derek about listening to Butt tell the two, two great, quick Grateful Dead stories. One time, Butt decided that he was going to explain every line from uh, the Grateful Dead covering Bob Dylan stuck inside of Mobile <laughs> with the Memphis Blues against me. And, and we listened to one line, and this is on cassette tape, rewinding it over and over, uh, when, when he's singing out, and like a fool, uh, one was Texas medicine and one was railroad gin. And like, like a, fool, a fool, I, I mixed, I mixed them. them and it jangled up my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he did that at least for 20 minutes. People just get uglier. I got no sense of time. <laughs> exactly, but I was hoping you'd go there. Um, but why, and that's a great transition, but why don't you, next cab off the rank, why don't you tell us about your time song? All right, so I, me, quick. Real quick aside, I have one Grateful Dead song that is uh, one lyric would be my favorite time lyric of all time would be, I was 40 years old and I wasn't with my wife now. I was had a girlfriend and she was like total crazy and like a total like, see you next Wednesday. I'll just put it that way. This <laughs> is one of my favorite death songs, "The Ship of Fools," and when Jerry belts out, "For forty years upon my head to have you call me child," I just like would just be like, just crazed because this chick was so nuts. <laughs> call me child, okay, Denise. We'll see. How, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, so that was like uh, that was a very special moment for me in my forties. Uh, great, great song. So I have. I have two, but I'll be sure. I picked two because I figured, hold on. Oh, I figured that Pink Floyd time might be too easy for, for someone to pick. Did you guys pick it? No. Skip over right, it. Go. Skip over it. All right. Thank you. So did any of you guys pick it? I, no. I, listen, I've got many, many songs here. That is one of them, but I've got many backups. So you go Yeah, yeah, it, same here. I, well, I mean, that's, I, so, that song's right at the top of the list, but, um, yeah. you know, I, 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 figured, I figured somebody else would pick it, too. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I love about you guys. Whole, You're not the obvious. One. You're not so obvious. Yeah, so I just, but just one part of that song, which is a segue into the song I did pick, was that, uh, like, I, I'll jump on uh, Justin, uh, when his father passed away, my dad passed away. I was, uh, I was active duty in the Army in Germany, 20 years mm. old, come home, like, to, you know, total shit show. On, leave, on, on emergency leave, go back to Germany, like, what the fuck? Um, come home, fucked around for a year, worked at, <laughs> worked at a car wash. It was a great year. And then, uh, I went back, and then I went back to Plymouth. And so the whole thing was that uh, I don't have a whole lot of relatives. So I didn't have any real father figure at all in my life during, during my whole 20s. and never really did. So I kind of like, uh, in my 20s, I was like, really like a fucking mess as you guys saw me at Plymouth because I was older than everybody else um I'd already been active duty in the army in my whole 20s even I graduated Plymouth I had a shitty job that I just get to party for a living with lots of time off and next thing you know um 33 years old I got at the time married two kids then four kids and was really like in, in the line that gets everybody in the song you know and then one day you find 10 years of gut behind you. No one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun. So that, that lyric um, for years and years had a profound effect on my life. Because I tied it to like, wow, like I really had no direction. And I did literally wake up one day and I was like, holy fuck, I've got four kids and my job sucks. And, we, and I was living in a fucking trailer park. And I was like, this ain't fucking cool because this is going fucking nowhere. And I really had a self-pity party pretty much. And it was like, it was bad. And then right in the middle of that, I, I go to Iraq. And I really thought that my destiny was going to be the, to die in the desert. But that's mm. another story too. So um, what I really picked for a song was uh, Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? Yes. So the, the old Chicago, um, yeah. this is, um, I think, the Chicago Transit Authority. I think it's their first album. It's got a really cool trumpet little intro. Well, it's, got a, it's, it's got a really long intro. But when it gets to the trumpet part, the guy's name is Lee Lofman. He's one of the founding members. 
And this is the old 60s, early 70s Chicago. It was heavy horns. Um, they had some great albums back then. The song, uh, the second album, they had that 26 to 4 song. Oh, yeah. Unlike late 70s, early 80s Chicago, when they decided to compete with Air Supply, who would be the lamest love ballad group <laughs> of all time. Kind of like how Jefferson Airplane lost their mind and turned into Starship. Starship. So Chicago. <laughs> <lost their mind. laughs> but if you listen to old Chicago, and it's bear, and but, pretty cool. Hey, but and, Terry Keith. Terry Keith was a fucking monster on the guitar. <laughs> and and he accidentally shot himself uh with his shot with his shotgun. But like the, his his career, he he was unbelievable. And he, he could have done so much more. That changed Whoa. the band too. Yeah. He was clipped, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so um, so the reason I picked the song is because I was having the Pink Floyd Time song, like I said, for years and years, profound effect in my life. But at the end of the day, I just ended up having a fucking pity party about, and like, that's not cool. And then, my, as, as I said, my dad died when I was 20, and my dad died of um, cancer <clears throat> two weeks before his 50th birthday. So, of course... That has a major effect. I'm 55. So, like, I'm always like, oh, I hope I don't end up with cancer and dying. Because, like, the way I look like, I look at it now, like, I'm like, dude, the dude is 49 years old, almost turning 50. And he got diagnosed with cancer. And he was dead in, uh, diagnosed in, like, February and was dead in April. So, it's like, it was quick. And it was like, and I'm like. Damn, I, I'm too young to go. <laughs> now I'm 55, so it's like, and just to think that he must have been like, people just, you know, must be shitting your pants. So I have a, a big thing about mortality, you know. It's like, mm. oh fuck, you know, you know the end of the line, which again leads me to try to move away from the song Pink Floyd Time. Like I just try to move away from it. So does anybody really know what time it is? Um, it's really about trying not to give a fuck about time. And it's like the lyrics, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? And the chorus goes about time. And the cool thing about the song is after, in every verse, he ends the verse with, he ends the verse with, if so, like, if you do believe in time, I can't imagine why, we've all got time enough to cry. And in the last verse, he's like, we all have time enough to die. So to me, that's like... The cry part, I just substitute for when bad things happen, when people you love die, when fam when just bad things happen in your life, you always have time for it. You always have time for the bad shit. So why care about why care about time? And does anybody really know what time it is? And I say I try to when I try when I start getting on a pity party about mortality or wow, I wasted a lot of time, I always go like try to be like no, because we always have enough time for that bullshit. So let's just pick it up and don't care about time. And I listen to this song and it always lifts me up. And it's like, you know what? That gets me in the right frame of mind. It's like, I ain't got to fucking worry about time. And then the line, uh, I think the third, I've got to hear the third verse in the song. We talking about, I was walking down the street one day being pushed by, being pushed and shoved by people trying to beat the clock. And then he goes on, I say, you know, I don't, I don't even care about time, you know, and that, that for myself, I enjoy that lyric because I'm a, I just get, just finished my 20 years in the army. I have a nice, when you get out of the army, you get half your pay for the rest of your life as soon as you're done. So it's nice to have a cushion now where I don't have to worry about the fucking clock. I'm going to get a job. I don't need to make a million dollars, but I can do the job I want, you know, so that, so this song, um, really, um, I love the song. I listen, I listen to it uh, quite a bit, and it really helped me get out of out of my uh, Pink Floyd time. I'm crazy. That song's weird to me. Um, I still love it because I like to put the fireplace on and listen to the lyric my whole life. You know, what's that lyric? Put rest your bones by the fire. Yeah. And I find last year August we bought an old uh, Colonial. And I've, we finally, I have a house that's got a real fireplace. <laughs> we just put a log in and we put Pink Floyd time on. And it's, uh, it's a really nice. cool, it's really cool. So um, those are my two. And, but my real song 
really was, does anybody really know what, what time it is by Chicago? Old Chicago. <laughs> so fucking love it, Johnny. But if I could just jump in here and say a couple things. So first of all, it's Peter, Peter Cetera fucking ruined Chicago with his goddamn <laughs> love ballads. Yes. He did. Oh, yeah, there was they, enough they money there, so he fucking dragged the rest of the band sack. down with him. Oh, <laughs> fucking ruined it. But around that period of time, that song in particular, and there's several others, they had a sick, like a horn section that was fucking mm. top fucking notch. Oh, Crazy yeah, those guys horn. could blow. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Good choice. You know, that, um, that, there, there's a fantastic documentary out on Chicago, and it just tells that whole story like you just mentioned. Oh, like wow. You, yeah, it, it, it's very, it's very, very good. You go, go look. Yeah, it. really good. Find on no, no on shit. on uh, uh, iTunes or what have you. But yeah, um, it's uh, very, very good. Go check it out. I, I think you probably get it on Netflix. But hey, but I want to say, like, man, you've totally just changed the way I'm going to listen to that song forever. <laughs> um, and you know, the idea of what did you say? Like, who gives a fuck about time, or why does time even matter? Is that what you said? Yeah. Does anybody really care about time? I mean, yeah. It's like no, because you always have time for tragedy when he says we've all got time enough to cry i look at that as we all you always have time for tragedy so fuck it you know you've just made me feel like you know what i was talking about and thinking about time is open yet time is tight what am i going to do with my time left and i'm not a worrier you know you guys know me more positive than anything but um and glass half full but it's kind of like those two songs juxtaposed against each other. When you think about the way I described it, the way you described it, I was like, what am I going to do left with my time? Because time is tight. And you were just saying, does anybody really know what time it is? Like, why does it even matter? Like, just go live your life. You know, just go live your life and don't be burdened by wasted time. Just be focused on what you're doing now, in a sense. It, you know, I, this is what I was thinking about too there's you know we we all um you know we all go through these different stages of life and we have you know points and i think we probably all have this to some degree or another and you know i think about you know i think about the decade or so that i got after college and you know just being in you know pursuit of like you know work goals and things like that and you know all of that you know you're you want everything to happen yesterday you're super impatient at least i was you're super impatient you want everything to move faster and you want your foot on the gas all the time and it's funny you know i'm i'm sitting here 47 years old now and i think we're all you know somewhat in the you know kind of yep. same age bracket and you know i sit here and think about this now i've got two young kids um you know i don't know how old um, all of your guys' kids are now but uh Judd, i know you're i know your daughter's young too and you can probably relate to this you look at that and you know i I go away for a, for a day or two and I come home and I feel like everything's changed. And it's like, dude, slow down. And so it's kind of funny how you, you kind of shift between like, you know, okay, I want everything to move faster. And then everything I want now, I want everything to move slower. And mm -hmm. you know, now you just, now you're just sitting there kind of going like, you know, I want to milk every minute for what this is worth. It's just, it's, it's interesting how that perspective change. Yeah. yeah. That's Absolutely. a good point. I think yeah. that's really smart. You know, you want to move fast, then you want to move slow. And Derek, it reminded me what you and I were talking about in the first episode of Positive Spins when Keith Richards said, um, hey, look, nobody wants to die young, but nobody wants to get grow old either. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, two different points of view on time. But I'll say one more thing about what, what you shared. Th that line in the song, uh, you know, something to, um, you know, being pushed and shoved by people trying to beat the clock. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm done with that. Like, I'm so over trying to beat the <laughs> clock. Like. You know, like COVID, COVID as will have lingering effects for at least a decade, you know, until the last gasp of it goes right. out. But, but, um, you know, it, it woke a lot of people up to a lot of things like, you know, hey, we were all sheltered in place. It was a phenomenal year for us as a family because we spent so much time together. We loved it. But, but it also, I was like, why am I ever going to go into an office again? Why am <laughs> I working my ass off like I have been? Why am I still doing this from home? This is nuts. And I just think that whole thing of like trying to beat the clock, you know, pushing some. You picture some guy walking down the street being shoved by people trying to beat the clock. I just picture somebody who was totally serene and, you know, basically probably walking an inch off the ground, you know, through Manhattan, you know, and being totally calm, you know, in a sense. But I, that was a good one, man. I, I didn't I haven't thought about that lyric in a long time or in the way that you talked about it. So thank you for that. Yeah, I, I listened to it quite a bit. It's pretty cool. I'm uh, this is going to go on my new playlist. I, I, I love it. Thank you, nice. Johnny. But great, right. great, great job, man. <laughs> hey, Johnny, but thank you for your service, by the way. 
Oh, hey, yeah. You know, yes. Hey, it is what it is. As always. <laughs> you do, you, you've always been there, Johnny Butt. Thank you, man. It was, it was funny when I got, like, when I get back to my rack, I'm like, oh, thank fucking God. Because, you know, I'm not no war hero, no nothing, just saying it's scary as fuck. So, you know, you do your convoys at Baghdad, you're like, oh, well, this is fun. Not really. <laughs> so I get back and I'm like, oh, thank the fuck God. And then all of a sudden we get to go to 2000, halfway through halfway through 2010, I'm like going, oh, I'm on fucking coast mode. I got like, two, I had another 10 years to go active duty to get my 20. And I get the call, uh, hey, we're going to transfer you to the 182 infantry because they need a uh, uh, another person to go to Afghanistan. I said, oh, whoa, what? I was like, oh, fucking great. But uh, yeah, so that was cool too. But. <laughs> hey, but, you but, know. You know, I'm a better we're, man for it. <laughs> we're all like, you know, again, music fans here, but you know, like you remember this is, I don't know, early two thousands, you know, there's no Spotify and shit like that. Yeah. Um, I, um, I know you were out there, man. And you know, we had been, you know, corresponding and I was like, what can I do for this guy? Like he'll appreciate. I sent you that hard drive with what thousands of songs on it. Do you, oh, do you remember? That's right. Do you remember that? I mailed that, that to awesome. you. <laughs> Um, all right, awesome, cool. Judd. Cool. Uh, Derek, why don't you go next, brother? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure even where to begin. I've got, uh, you know, I've got a few songs that uh, I've been thinking about since since you uh, floated the email out over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about what what Johnny, you just talked about and, um, you know, kind of the whole theme of the matter. And you're know, like, I, I kind of look at my life in you know, in these stages and, you know, I look at these, you know, 10 year chapters or, you know, sometimes they're shorter than that or whatnot. But, you know, I think about the stage that I talked about a minute ago and it's like, you know, it's all about the energy of, you know, being young and just, you know, it's running fast and, you know, and, and, and chasing whatever you're chasing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because as, you know, as time goes on, you get into, uh, I, I don't know, I think we all find like more serious elements of life that, you know, sometimes are thrown on us. And, you know, John, you talked about, you talked about, you know, loss. And um, I, you know, one of the things that I talked about or I thought about when I was, uh, you know, thinking about, all right, you know, what songs are most, you know, kind of memorable or, you know, what, what songs have, you know, have I experienced either in the backdrop by design or, you know, have been there along the way with, you know, with key moments in my life. And it's, you know, one of the things, one of the albums that really stuck with me for a long time, and I always started this out. This album actually was released the same year I graduated from college, 1997. And it was uh, I, I, I honestly I don't think ever listened to it until, I don't know, maybe a decade after that. And I started getting really into it. And it's Bob Dylan's uh, Bob Dylan's album, uh, Time, Time Out of Mind. And if you if you've listened to this album at all. It's a really, uh, you know, Dylan has so many works for, you know, for so long and Time Out of Mind was a, uh, was a product of, uh, during Dylan's battle with cancer, um, you know, his sort of, uh, you know, reckoning with that. And if you listen to the album, it's, it's really dark. There's one particular song in there that's called Not, Not Dark Yet. And, you know, there's a, there's a common theme kind of throughout the album or whatnot, but, you know, a little story along the way. So my my grandmother um, on my father's side, uh, we called her Nana. And my Nana I was always particularly close with growing up or whatnot. And, you know, after college, she was from uh, she was from Woburn, Massachusetts. And I lived nearby for for a long time after college. And she and uh, she and her second husband, um, I was just really the salt of the earth people. And uh, I would go by and visit them a lot at their condo and whatnot. And, you know, it got to the point where, you know, later, later on in, uh, in, you know, in their lives that they were hitting their, you know, late eighties or whatnot. And, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't live on their own anymore. They ended up in a nursing home and, um, and I ended up on this, uh, this sort of, uh, you know, career journey where I got moved, uh, I got moved from Boston to, to New York. I lived in New York for, uh, for about three, three and a half years. Uh, I got moved to Denver. I got moved to Kansas City. So I was doing this sort of bouncing around the country and, you know, going kind of where um, opportunity led me. It was all basically promotions within my company. And, you know, I, I always for, for a while I had a girlfriend back there and I was flying back. And um, so I, I never really kind of lost my bearings or my footing um, in the Boston area. And every time I would fly back when I was living somewhere else, I would, um, you know, I would always either, you know, rent a car or whatnot. And, you know, I would I would go where I was headed and, you know, I would always stop in and, uh, and see my Nana. 
you know, at the, at the nursing home or whatnot. And she, uh, you know, she declined over time, like people do. And it's sad to watch. It's, um, you know, it's very, um, you know, it's very hard. And, she, you know, she had some good people there with her. And she had, uh, she had, uh, was a, she must have been Jamaican. She was a Jamaican woman that was just like, you know, complete, you know, again, salt of the earth here. And she was, uh, I got to know, got to know her pretty well. And, and I was the person that always like, you know, I came by every couple of weeks on the weekend and, um, you know, other people in the family came by, but, you know, I was sort of a, you know, a, a regular guest there. And I, I remember when she, I remember it was 2009, it must've been, um, when she passed away and I'm, I'm living in Kansas city at the time. And I, you know, I lived in a, in an old bank building in a high rise apartment with a, you know, big roof deck in uh, downtown Kansas city. And I remember getting a call at three o'clock in the morning. And for some reason I got this call and I remember, I, I'll never forget the words. It was uh, somebody calling me, kind of was the Jamaican woman calling me from the nursing home. And she said, your Nana has passed. And, you know, I'm waking up in the middle of the night and uh, don't know why I was the one that got the call or maybe I, would, I can't really remember how that, how that kind of played out, but it's three o'clock in the morning, middle of the week or whatnot. And of course I couldn't go back to bed. So I remember going out on, uh, on my roof deck 3am and, uh, you know, I think I ended up going to work later that day, but, you know, I ended up going out there and, uh, and, you know, predictably, uh, you know, I'm having myself a cocktail and I think I got a cigar out there and I'm sitting out there on the roof deck and just, you know, kind of contemplating all of it, you know, taking it all in. And I had, I had Dylan's album on there, which I'd been listening to a lot recently there, but it really just kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of cut to the core and some of the, some of the lyrics in that, in that song not dark yet are uh, just you know they're dark but they really kind of get you to think like you know the last one of the last verses of the song is i was born here and i'll die here against my will i know it looks like i'm moving but i'm still standing still you know and like you think about that and it's like it's just it's it's deep it's dark and you know it was kind of a moment there that like that'll stick with me for the rest of my life i'll remember exactly where i was exactly that song playing and whatnot so it kind of stuck with me and it got it, it kind of got me thinking about it. like, listen, you know, this is, you know, this is a short time that we've got here in this earth. You got to make the most of it or whatnot. So it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a set, kind of a sad one, but it's uh mm. you know, it's a, it's a memorable one there too, but, uh, but fantastic album, just uh you know, a, a different one from Dylan. Yeah. Derek, that's fucking great call, man. Great, great call. And, and, and an album full of great songs. Um, not dark yet is one that really stands out for me too. And, and, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about people that are on this podcast, but there's a, there's a friend of ours that we know. And I always think of him whenever I hear that song and, um, and, and, and it, in a tragic kind of way, but nonetheless, I, I, there, there's also a line there, Derek, that I really like when he kind of just says, I eat when I'm hungry. I drink when I'm dry, you know? And it's like, wait, wait, yeah, yeah, and, and, and I live life on the square. You know, it's kind of like that same. It, it, it's it just has that same feel to it. You know, it's like yeah, you know, just kind of doing it. You know, and and not for any gratuitous purposes, but that's how I'm living my life. I I love that, Derek. A bit of trivia for you on that. Um, you know, time out of mind. Um, there's a uh, I think Bob Dylan, who was a big fan of Warren Zevon, and when Warren Zevon was dying, he started covering his songs in concert, and you know, he just uh. didn't do that. Hmm. There, there's a, there's a Warren Zevon song off of his second album, um, album Excitable Boy, which is awesome, one of my favorite songs. But um, front to back. there's a front to back, man, so good. But there's a song on it called "Accidentally Like a Martyr," and it's so fucking good. There's so good much that's good about it, right? But there's one good part tune. where he says, "There's one 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 verse where I think he, it's like, the days slide by, should have done, should have done. We all sigh. Never thought I'd be so lonely." Uh, uh, such a long, long time, time out of mind. And um, I think Dylan pulled the, the, the title of that from the song, and then he covered that song accidentally like a martyr when, when Zevon was dying in tribute mm -hmm. to him. Wow. Re really cool. That's a great, just, just the, the title of that song in and of itself, accidentally like a martyr. I mean, we, we, we should probably spend time talking about Warren Zevon wants so we make sure that he stays in, in people's uh, frontal lobes because fuck that guy was so talented. You know what's really cool about that about what you just that story you just told there though that the 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 fraternity of musicians and how people <laughs> play off each other it's uh it's pretty cool. It's very cool and that oh man it's that's the best part isn't it of like worm and worm holding through a bunch of songs one day oh I love that part. Um, Derek that is a fantastic one I'm going to. Uh, 
Uh, I, I'm going to go listen to that after this. We're done today. I, I really miss that song. Um, you know, one thing about that album, Derek, and it is really good. I can't remember the timeline. I'm probably going to be off. But I, but I can't remember if it came out after Bob Dylan had that heart scare and he went into the hospital for a while. But I, I can't remember. But that, that album, it did talk a lot about mortality. And I think he had that scare at that time. But nonetheless, produced by Daniel Lenoir, really good album. Thanks for sharing that one. Um, hey, Derek. Go. I just yeah. want to add something real quick. So I love, I love this song, Not Dark Yet. It's like, it's just such a cool Dylan song. And the re- one, the reason I really love this song is each verse he's talking about, you know, some fucked up shit happens. And then just the way he does the, it's not dark yet, but it's getting there. It's getting there. And it's like, for me, when I hear that, it's like, it's not dark yet, but it's getting there. And it's like, I look at it, it's like, it's not dark yet, but it's getting there. And it never gets there. But what happens if it does get there? It's like, the shit really hits the fucking fan. It's it almost like you're... I look at it, it's like, it's like it's psychopath time. It's not dark <laughs> yet, but it's fucking getting there. And when it does, I don't know what's going to fucking happen, but it's going to be fucking bad. That's what I love. <laughs> like, fucking go time! <laughs> And the way he sings it's not Jack yet, but it's getting in. <laughs> I fucking dig that shit, man. Love it. <laughs> Goosebumps. <laughs> Good choice. Uh, is our host still here? <laughs> Come in, Judd. Earth to Judd. Has he really dropped off? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that while he's getting his shit together, um, Jewel, jump in, brother. Okay. Yeah, I just he said go for it. So I'm going to go for it. So uh, first and foremost, Judd, thank you for putting this together. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it. And it's great to be back virtually with you three. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I love talking about music. It's one of my favorite subjects um you know and and then the subject of time right and it's such a wide open uh subject matter especially with music i mean as long as we've had a frontal lobe uh people have been pondering time and the, the passing of time shakespeare wrote about it you know socrates wrote about it just it's never not been uh, a topic that we've talked about so when i thought about okay what song uh, what I talk about. So, of course, you know, the. Hello. 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> People dropping off. Is that you, Ethan? Is Judd back or did Ethan drop off? Drop Judd, Judd, Judd can hear us, but for some reason we can't hear him. Is Ethan, are you there? Hey, Derek, I can tell you a great, my favorite, one of my, I, I thought of Ethan Jewell today, and I <laughs> big smile <laughs> came to my face, because uh, we had this, um, in Plymouth, I don't know, if you might have, there was a Dr. Clark at Plymouth, he was a, a philosophy professor, but he also had a master's or a doctorate in, like, biology, too, so he always used to joke that all the departments hated him, and he was also a football coach for, on, on defense, so he used, he was, I think he was Italian. He had pretty dark skin like an Italian dude. He used to wear Plymouth State College football coat. He was like 50 or 55. And rifling down the cigarettes. And he taught a class called cosmology. And one of the coolest things ever to do at Plymouth State College was if you could take this cosmology course, get your mind a little twisted before you go into class, and listen to Dr. Clark just rap about the universe. And me and Matty Smith were in the same class. <laughs> he used to blow Matt Smith's mind. And then the next semester, Ethan took the class. I remember telling Ethan, Ethan, hit the bong and then go into Dr. Clark's fucking lectures. And the dude just blow you away. So I, when I heard Ethan was going to be in the podcast, I just remembered uh, Dr. Clark was a Plymouth State legend. And it was really cool listening to this guy just fucking lay it out about the universe. We're just like, so <laughs> wait, can you, can you, so cool. can you hear me? Yeah. That, Hello? Yep. You're back. 
Uh, okay, good. All right. I don't know what happened there. I went to a, a time warp, I think. Um, <laughs> we had a couple of casualties. So, Judd's still here with us, but he came here. But we can't so, hear him. I, I just told the story about us and Dr. I heard Tom. you. I can hear every word. It's so weird. So here's the funniest thing about, uh, about that doctor. It was the only A-plus I ever got uh, in a class at Plymouth State, number one. And number two, years later, his daughter married uh, a guy that works for the town of Portsmouth. And uh, we talked about it forever. So back to, I'm not sure where I cut off, but I was basically saying that, that time is a, it's a wide open topic. And when you think about all the different songs that you could pick to talk about time, right? So you could talk about obviously Pink Floyd. You could talk about uh, Time the Avenger. I actually had Chicago. Does anyone really know what time it is? Nice. Good Times Roll. I even had When I'm 64 by the Beatles. Uh, I even went so far as to go deep and say, hit me baby one more time by Britney motherfucking <laughs> Spears. But then I started thinking all of That's these and up. every... <laughs> and every other song that you could think of that has time in the title or is about time, it's almost like, okay, well, that's, you guys are going to do that. So I went a different direction and I instead picked a song that is almost like a time machine for me. And when you think about music, to me, the most amazing thing about music is that it evokes emotion. It's, uh, even if there are no lyrics, you know, very powerfully written music evokes emotion globally and you know judd and i have talked about this uh, on another podcast and how it's it's a universal language the drum beat is a heartbeat it doesn't matter where you are who you are music touches you it can make you happy it can make you excited it can make you sad uh it can make you energized it can make you tired and it can also make you scared and i like that i like songs that make you scared for the first time and i remember um, when I was about eight or nine years old, my parents had been, uh, recently divorced and my mom had started dating this total tool shed of a guy who, um, <laughs> was, he never was my stepfather, but you know, he might as well have been. The bad and, man. um, you bad man. <laughs> that's right. And, um, and I, I remember just, and he was, and I'm just going to say it. So sorry, mom, but he was a drug dealer. He used to sell, you know, uh, weed and everything. And uh, one time we went to a, uh, a, a biker gang uh, for a drug deal. And I think we were literally brought along or he brought us along as, as a way to say, you know, you can't fuck with me because like I got little kids here. I was eight or nine. And in this house, there was this song playing and I'll never forget hearing it for the first time. And just Not sure exactly what happened, but we had some major technology disruptions in the middle of the podcast just when Ethan was about to reveal the song that freaked him out while he was at a drug deal when he was just a young boy. So let's pick the story up back with Ethan to find out what song that was. I think that we had some problems. I think the government might have been listening in uh, to our podcast and disrupted yeah. the whole thing because I lost my audio. Ethan, I know you lost your audio, but um, I've gone and talked to the IT team uh, and they have um, scrubbed the system for bugs. I think we're, we're good now. Ethan, when we were last talking about talking with you, you were mentioning that your mother's boyfriend was a drug dealer. Uh, how about if you pick it up there? <laughs> okay, so first of all, he, and he's no longer on this planet, so I feel like I can, I can, I can share that. And uh, yeah, and it was really kind of just to paint the picture. And it's more about the song being a time machine. And I think the the broader concept is that songs can evoke emotion, but they can also bring you to a place. Like I'm sure you guys have songs that the minute you hear it, you're brought to a place. And when I hear this song, it it still brings me to that place where the very first time I heard it, I was just like, holy motherfucking shit, this is a crazy ass song. Because there's so it's a wild band. They've got two drum sets, two keyboardists, like four guitarists. It's it's a, a wild uh, show, and they're super talented. And the uh, the the one of the two keyboardists ended up playing for the Dead for a while. And rest in peace. He's no longer with us either. But the song itself um, is by the Tubes, 
and it's called uh, White Punks on Dope. And the lyrics are just as interesting as the song itself. It's got an amazing, it's almost like three songs spliced into one. And I wish I had the ability technology-wise to play it right now to point out what I'm talking about. But the lyrics are poignant, they're, they're tight, they're concise. And when you listen to it, you can, you can sense that they, they wanted to make uh, a song that had a lot of depth to it. Anyways, when you're eight years old and you don't have a whole lot of frame of reference and you hear the song, it's just like, it almost like touches a part of you that's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is that? What is that sound? What is that person? Why is he singing like that? What are these words? What are they talking about? What does it all mean? That juxtaposed with the situation that I was in to start with was kind of like a little bit, you know, weird. And then, you know, that was probably 1978. The song came out in 75. Years go by. The Tubes, just like most bands, put out a couple of commercially successful but kind of cheesy uh, albums. Um, they're still touring. They actually were in Salisbury, Mass. last Sunday. Um, and, and just for some reason this last year, this last summer, I stumbled across that song again um, on a cassette tape, of all things, because I found my old cassettes, cassette tape. So I started, you know, just going through and I put that back in and then I went to Spotify, found it on Spotify and it sounds, you know, perfect. And then there was like probably two and a half weeks in June this year where every time I would get in my car to go to the gym, I would just crank that. And <laughs> there's a, a couple of guitar solos in there that are pretty fucking impressive. Anyway, again, I didn't want to get pigeonholed with a song about time, but rather a song that transcends time and brings you to a place awesome. in time and that's just one song of probably a fucking hundred that i could pick but um that's it i love how you twisted up the concept there and just played around with, with time a little bit and, and i think that's that that is really cool uh let me ask you um like what oh, oh, let's go back because i know we got disrupted by the the tech kind of failed us but um were, were you at a drug deal and you heard this song playing or is it just typifies how you felt at that time? No, no, actually we were, we, we, God forgive me for sharing this. We went to, we were brought me and my brother and the guy's son were brought to this. Now I know what it was at the time. I had no idea what it was. It was like a biker gang hangout. There were like swastikas all over the wall and like swords and fucking, they all had the, the, <laughs> the leather on. And at the time I didn't really, I, you're, you're trying to process everything that's going on. And it's just like, it's not computing. But now you look back on it with your frame of reference that you have as an adult and you're like, oh, I was at a motorcycle gang hangout. I was brought along because he was afraid that they were going to try to, you know, rob him, hurt him, steal from him, whatever. Um, but yeah, they were, they had that song, the song came on while we were there as kind of like uh, human shields, like, you know, kid shields. Um, and wow. so that added to the, the mystique of it. But I think even without that backdrop, if I had heard that song completely removed from that situation, it still would have been uh, touching. You know, so it would have been like, what the hell? Because it's such a, it's, and back, and again, a lot's happened in music since 1975. But at the time, it was, you know, people were used to listening to fucking ABBA and, you know, Jim Croce. And then here comes this crazy band from Arizona and San Francisco. And they're just putting out this sound that nobody had ever really put out before. So it's just uh, it's one of those songs that just moves you. And yes, to answer your question directly in one word, I was at it. Yes. Awesome. Talk, so talk about take talk about taking you back to a memorable moment. Like, that. Yeah. holy yeah. shit. Um, let me ask you. So, yes, you were human shields. Were you also yep. uh, were you muling at the time uh, or or was just the shield? I mean, were you... you know, here's the thing. I might have been unaware of the fact that I was, in fact, a mule. I, I, I wasn't knowingly <laughs> a mule, but I mean, I was wearing a parka, you know, so maybe they might have stuffed some, you know, some yeah. packages in my in my person without realizing it. But knowingly, no, I was not a mule. That was phase two. That was going to happen. Wow. This is, I'm picturing the final like episode of Breaking Bad, uh, you know, um, yeah. you know, in, in that yeah. environment. <laughs> yeah. It was that without the car that had the funky gun in the trunk. That was pretty much it. Yeah. You guys were, 
and it was up in the White Mountains someplace, you know, it was like, you know, it, it, it's just, and it, I remember when it finally dawned on me what was going on. I think I was probably like 26. And I was just like, oh my God, we were fucking shields. <laughs> it it kind of like all hit me. It was like, no way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So that's it. So White Punch on the Yeah, the tubes. Check it out. And I'm gonna uh, go check you guys that out. the video too. The video is worth watching. All right, awesome. I'm going to add that to our Positive Spins playlist right after the show. Beautiful. All right, and cool. once again, I, I said it before. I'm not sure if it got if it got eaten up by technology or the or the hackers or whatever it was, but I wanted because I, I think that you might have dropped out. Uh, thank you for putting this together. Thank you for having me on. It was super fun. It was great to to do this, and uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to doing it again whenever that might be. Yeah, great. Th Listen, thanks for being here. Derek, thank you for being here. Thank you to uh, uh, Johnny Butt, who we've lost completely for the time being. But um, I, I, you, you, uh, you all have fulfilled uh, the ambition for this episode. I love the discussion that we had today. We're going to do a lot more of this. Uh, I'm going to uh, see if I can um, skill up on production values and make this thing run a little smoother. But not, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, I've got no problems with, with um, warts and all approach here. We'll smooth it out and uh, we'll, we'll continue to have some fun with it. So thank you both for joining us on Positive Spins today. Peace Word. out. All right. We'll see Later. you on the flip side. Later.